What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is January 12th right now, Wednesday. This is, I was still counting, the, what, the third episode of 2022? Yes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> third episode. <laughs> yeah. Already losing track. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember the days. What's What's been going on with you? Still, still really hot there? Or? Still really hot. Still really humid. Um... Nothing's really going on. It's just weird. Like, I guess because we're on kind of summer break. So my work is kind of all over the place. It's just up and down. I've lost a bit of track of days. and But yeah, nothing really happening. The kids go back to school in about, I don't know, two and a bit weeks. So it's nearly over. It's gone really quickly, actually. So It's so weird how we're just like opposite that way. <laughs> <laughs> I know the kids were asking me the other day, they're like, so when it's summer in America, what is it here? I'm like, it's winter. It's the complete opposite. Their, their little mind, minds were blown. <laughs> yeah, it's been like so, so cold here. Oh. We had to, I sent you the temperature. It was like, feels like negative eight, which was like negative 22 <laughs> Celsius or something. Oh. It's so cold. We had to put plastic over our windows because our windows in my apartment suck. So if we don't do that, it'll just be like freezing inside no matter what the heat's on. That's crazy. And it's such a pain to put plastic over the windows because you have to like mm. tape them and then it rips. It's mm. like all around zero out of five stars. Would not <laughs> recommend. Like in our bedrooms, we don't have air conditioning in the bedrooms in this house. So we've got fans, like most of the houses in Australia have fans, I guess. But the other night I woke up and I was just drenched in sweat. Just it was so, so, so muggy and humid and hot. Yeah. But anyway, I can't complain. It's I think I'd rather this weather than the freezing cold. I know. I always try to think about when we talk about this, I'm like, would I rather it be really hot or really cold? And I'm like, I hate both. Our, see, the thing with our cold is it's not actually fun cold. Like, it's just cold and miserable, but we don't ever get any snow or anything fun like that. It's, so we get it's, ripped off. <laughs> it's only snowed once here so far. It's oh. been a real, real lame, real miserable oh. cold. It always makes me feel better because I always think I'd love to go in the winter. And then if it's not snowing, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, usually <laughs> I feel like maybe we'll get one snow in December. But usually it snows more in like January, February, March, because, you know, probably like global warming or something. Some technical excuse. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, I hope everyone is really interested in the weather because that's what <laughs> that's what we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know how the weather is near you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about more missing kids. Seems like it's been very on brand for us lately, but... Seems like there's been a lot of missing kids lately to talk about. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be about Harmony Montgomery, who we've been posting about a lot, kind of been making the bigger news outlets finally, I think. Someone in Nebraska told me that they had it on their news. And this case is from like New England. So no, it's, it's making not. it from New, New Hampshire. New England is New oh, Hampshire. Is, oh, is it? I didn't know that. I thought it was a separate area. No, I think, isn't New England... I don't like know. Vermont, Massachusetts. Here, I'll Google it. <laughs> I'm going to die if I'm fucking wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It is. Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Go me for knowing the geography <laughs> of my own country. <laughs> so New York should be part of New England, but it's not. Mm. We're next door. But anyways, so yeah, so it's from around me-ish and people in Nebraska are getting on their news. So let's get, get in there. It's very popular on social media right now. Our favorite star reporter, Brian Enton, has gone to New Hampshire and is following the case. So love him. Love the updates. Lately, ever since, every case we decide to do a podcast on randomly, it just comes up that he all of a sudden does it too. Obviously, it's not connected, but it's just been a coincidence lately. 
it's just so he is also seems to be following the ones that are like getting big on social media like we do so like he did summer wells and yeah yeah and then the other case we're going to talk about is oakley carlson who is kind of a similar story to harmony another kid who has been missing for quite some time before it was really brought to anyone's attention that one doesn't have as much media attention i'd say it was posted about for a bit on social media but since there's been really no updates kind of seemed to fade out again yeah it's strange i can never pick which ones are going to be the ones that get the most attention because oakley's case is very similar to harmony so essentially you'd think it should get the same amount of coverage but it hasn't so yeah i think it all depends on the reporters because that's where like we get the news from yeah the local area reporters probably are the ones who start pushing it to at the start so Harmony, she has been, her, she was last seen in 2019 and was only reported missing recently. So it seems kind of crazy that that can happen, but I think the pandemic has made it more likely to happen because kids, they weren't really in school as much for the last couple of years. Obviously, when kids are going to school regularly, it's easier to keep track of them, but it's easy to lie about when they're not in actual school. Another case that we saw that had a big time gap like this was those kids that were found in Texas in their um, apartment alone and one of them was dead for a year at least and the other ones were just living by themselves and the mom kind of door dashed some food from wherever the fuck she was yeah that was the the Gloria Williams case so she left three kids in an apartment for months by themselves one of and another child was in there deceased so yeah who was murdered by her boyfriend (laughs) And everyone at the time was like, how can this happen? But I think a lot of that was because essentially the kids didn't need to be seen. They weren't noticed as being missing from school or, you know, because of the pandemic and homeschooling and different things like that. I really feel like that has put a a pressure on a lot of these different cases that the kids aren't missed because nobody knows to miss them, if that makes sense. Yeah, because there's no like activities. There was no school. Yeah. No, everyone was just kind of at home. All right, so we'll start with Harmony first. Harmony Montgomery is a child who is seven years old if she's still alive. The last time that she was confirmed alive was in 2019, which would make her five years old at the time of her disappearance. This case has a lot of holes in it due to the time that's gone by. It's kind of be like we're just putting all these pieces together. It's kind of being told out of order. So we tried to put everything we've found in chronological order the best of our ability, but obviously there's still some holes in this story. At the time she was last seen, Harmony was in custody of her father, Adam Montgomery, and Harmony's mother is a woman named Crystal Crystal Sorry. Crystal and Adam first met in August 2012. Harmony was born on June 7, 2014, and eventually they, they parted ways, Adam and Crystal. Crystal, she has struggled with substance abuse issues, and she lost custody of Harmony in 2018. I think they both lost custody of her. Yeah, just she to kind of bounced clarify. around. Yeah, and then she was in foster care for a bit. But eventually, Adam, I guess, went to rehab, cleaned up his act a tiny bit, just enough to seem like a fit parent, and he regained custody of Harmony. Crystal has said that the last time she spoke with Harmony was Easter 2019, around April 21st, on a FaceTime call. Um, Adam was living in Manchester, New Hampshire with Harmony, while Crystal, she lived in Massachusetts. Crystal has spoken to the media a lot since this case has been made public, and she said that she's made many attempts to contact Adam and Harmony, because obviously people's first question is, well, why is she only looking for them now? Yeah. Yeah, but she says she's been 
trying for a bit at least, I guess. Debatable, but that's what she says. Crystal first told police it had been around six months since she had contact with Harmony, but then changed her story and said the last time she actually saw Harmony was on a FaceTime call around Easter 2019 and that Harmony looked scared during the call. Crystal's also said that she called New Hampshire schools, drove by homes associated with Adam, and made multiple calls to New Hampshire Division of Child, Youth, and Families. That, that was her attempt to try to track down Harmony, I guess. And this is a clip of Crystal speaking with Brian Enton for News Nation. Where did you think Harmony was for the last I thought two years? she was with her dad. And he was just being a jerk, really. That's what I, I hoped was happening, you know. But in my heart, I knew something was wrong. Something was very wrong. Like, he was going to extremes to block me and make sure that I couldn't contact her or anything. Or even to the point, it, like, once his family started calling DCYF and he knew, um, they, you know, he then cut them off and then I couldn't even get information from them, you know, because at least I could get information about what was going on through them. Couldn't even get anything from them. He literally cut anybody that questioned him about how he treated Harmony or what he was doing. He cut them off. When was the last time you actually saw Harmony? In a FaceTime video, like two, three days before Easter. I showed her a basket. I said, I'm coming in a couple days. Mommy got you a basket, you know? I held on to that basket for a year and some change, hoping, you know, that I'd have a chance to give it to her. And what did she seem like when you saw her on FaceTime? Terrified. She, I would say, hey, you know, what's going on? What, you know, what'd you eat for lunch? What'd you do today? You know, do you, are you going to school yet? Like, you know, how are your brothers and sisters? You got any friends? You know, little questions like, I'm her mom. Like, I want to know these things. I want to know she's happy. And every time I asked these things, he would pause it and he'd tell, whatever he'd say to her, I can't hear him, he'd mute it. And she'd be like, don't tell her, da, 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 don't da. And she'd be like, like, you know, and I'm watching her. So he'd unmute it and I'm like, what's going on like why are you muting it every time i ask her a question why aren't you letting her talk to me why are you answering for her like you're acting weird adam i'm like what's going on like we're we're co-parenting like we're you're letting me have visits like what's going on he's like he's like i have sole custody sole decision making you don't get to ask me shit and he hangs up and blocks me so october 2019 is the last time that harmony was confirmed to be alive and well she was apparently seen by Manchester police during a call out to Adam's residence. Um, Adam was granted full sole custody of Harmony in 2019. Boston 25 News obtained the DCF records for Harmony and they state, quote, custody of Harmony was returned to her father in February 2019. Once Harmony was returned to her father's care slash custody, her involvement with the department ended as she does not live in Massachusetts. A little background on Adam. He has a teardrop tattoo. <laughs> just so you guys know um he has also struggled with drug addiction and he has a pretty extensive criminal record dating back to 2007 his charges range in new hampshire from burglary for serious assault to stalking so in january 2014 he was charged with armed robbery and assault with intent to murder in haverhill massachusetts after adam shot a man in the head during a drug deal so violent Offender, seemingly. Yeah. Very aggressive to shoot someone in the head. At the time of his arraignment in Haverhill, a Haverhill district court judge ordered Adam to be held without bail and considered him too much of a danger to the public if released. 
But somehow along the way, charges were reduced, but he served some time in connection with that incident. So don't know how that worked out in his favor. Family members say that he had also abused Harmony, from what they recall. In 2019, he allegedly gave her a black eye, and when asked about it, he said he bashed her around the house. He's like a lovely guy. Yeah, like bragging about bashing your five-year-old around the house. Mm. Cool dude. So this is where there's still kind of a big gap from October 2019 to December 21st. A lot of what happened is still unknown. From what we've been able to piece together collectively, so Crystal has said she has kept trying to contact Adam on social media, but he kept blocking her. Um, Manchester police said on December 31st that in the week prior, they had received a report stating that Harmony had not been seen for over two years. They said the circumstances surrounding this prolonged absence are very concerning and are being thoroughly investigated. Detectives have been investigating, quote, nonstop since becoming aware that Harmony was missing. Detectives said they were working in conjunction with the State Division for Children, Youth, and Families and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Police Chief Alan Aldenberg said, At this time, I have dedicated all available resources and personnel to locating Harmony. I encourage anyone to contact the Manchester Police Department with any relevant information, which will help us in locating Harmony. Also said, For, for us to have a two-year delay, that is extremely concerning. That's not something that happens to us on a regular basis. It doesn't happen every day. Thank you for, for that information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Very Thank um, you. It would be concerning if it happened every day. <laughs> um, Aldenberg said investigators have spoken with many family members but wouldn't reveal whether that includes her parents or who it was that reported her as missing. He said the last time she was enrolled in school was in Massachusetts. There's been no Amber Alert issued because investigators have not met the threshold for issuing one, given that there is no specific information about who Harmony might be with or a vehicle she might be in. So police tracked Adam down fairly quickly. He was living out of a car with his current girlfriend, Kelsey Small, in New Hampshire. The girlfriend told police that she had been with Adam for about a year and that he had never really spoken about Harmony. Adam gave the police many differing stories. He told them that he believed Harmony was in Crystal's care and he ha and had been since November 2019. He said he didn't know why Crystal would say she didn't have Harmony. In one interrogation by police, he told them he had nothing else to say. In late December and early January, police searched a home on Guilford Street in Manchester, New Hampshire, multiple times, which they said in a news release, quote, is a focus of the investigation because it, because it is the last location where Harmony was known to reside before her disappearance in 2019. Second straight day, investigators remain on Guilford Street, the last known location of seven-year-old Harmony Montgomery. Manchester police tell News 9 they will continue searching that property tomorrow. The current homeowners have no connection to the case. This is typically a uh, really quiet neighborhood. So to see all this police activity is quite, quite a shock. We always thought something was weird a few years ago when the house was running on a generator in the middle of the summer, but we've never seen anything. As the search for Harmony enters another week, relatives are desperate for answers. We're hopeful. Um, it's been a long time since anyone has seen her. Um, so emotions are all over the place. Kevin Montgomery is Harmony's great uncle. She hasn't been seen since 2019. Kevin says that's also the last time that he saw her. Our relationship with that side of the family, Harmony's caretakers, was strained. So we haven't 
Got no pitches, no conversations, no no nothing. Kevin says he did speak up before Harmony's disappearance was announced. Some of the people that loved her the most, we had no rights when it came to parents. We had no rights. Um, things were done. Reports were made. In the meantime, he's imploring anyone with information on Harmony's whereabouts to come forward. Please, we want to bring her home. Police have said the owner of that home has no involvement in the case, but noted she has been cooperative with police and assisting them in their investigation. I was wondering, I'm guessing they're not allowed to be in the house during all this, like the people who live there? Yeah, surely they'd have to be put up in a hotel or something like that because... They have like a whole area like cordoned off. Even for like, it'd be like, I don't know, I'm just guessing it'd be like a health and safety issue if they've got all these things digging, like you would think that they would have to move the homeowners somewhere else or let them be somewhere else. Yeah, it just seems like it'd be pretty disruptive. Yeah, absolutely. They have the whole backyard like covered and tented off because of the snow. It would be interesting to hear from someone who that's happened to if anyone out there knows anyone. Definitely. Same with, um, we were talking about that kind of with Crystal Rogers because they had to dig up those people's driveway. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, like, they literally, like, dug up all the concrete and took concrete slabs and things like that away. And people were mad because we wondered who had to pay for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was that? just thinking that again. <laughs> uh. Okay, so that house that they've been searching, we believe that Adam lived in the house with Harmony, and it was owned by Adam's grandmother and also possibly his aunt. A little confusing, but basically Adam lived with family members who owned the house. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't actually know at the time if they were still living there or if it was just him. Um, anyway, I don't know. Like, but anyway, it, it was originally owned by someone in his family. Yeah, it's kind of confusing as to who actually owned the house, but he lived there and potentially squatted there at some point. <laughs> yeah. So at some point in 2019, online records say that the house was foreclosed on. We believe that Adam and Harmony moved in either in August or September 2019 and that there wasn't any electricity or water connected to the home at that time. Again, that's what it seems like from reports that we've read that we'll go into a little. We did find this timeline online that had some supporting court documents about it. It says on August 15th, 2019, a neighbor calls and is concerned regarding the children's welfare. Please note in this report that they have been to this home several times prior. So we've got the actual reports, which I'll put on the blog for Harmony, but um, the actual notes say, Neighbor concerned about a young child living at this address said she thinks the parents are squatting there, have no electricity, just a small generator. There is trash everywhere. She's concerned for the child and asked that we check the condition. And then the police have kind of added their notes. And it says, Montgomery Res have been here several times and have assisted DCYF on check conditions here as well. Everyone's home. Generator is running. Food in the house. They are all healthy. All is well. So that was the first, one of the first reports. News Nation and Brian Enton, they got the photos from that report. And honestly, the house doesn't look as terrible as they made it seem, but the generator driveway situation looks super sketchy. Yeah, like it looks, I actually said to you, it's definitely not as bad as the Summerwell's living conditions. Like it looks like there's toys and there is food in the fridge. I don't know, you know, what food is in there. But it, um, yeah, the generator, I think, is the most concerning part. Yeah, like it looks a little dirty, but it's not like hoarders, disgusting no, it's trash. It's messy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the generator definitely looks a bit hazardous, especially if it rains or something. Yeah. So next is 821.19. They got a call due to squatters, and the squatters are Adam, Kayla, his current wife at the time, 
not the girlfriend that he was arrested with. There was a, a different woman in between current girlfriend and Crystal named Kayla, but we'll get into a little bit more about her later and the children. So the report for this one says squad is in the building. The home is up for auction. There is a generator running. There is trash all over the place. Unknown exactly how many people are in there. And then it says getting numerous calls about this. Tenant Adam is in the process of being evicted. His uncle has been calling in, checking conditions and harassing him. DCYF has been involved as well. All these calls are pretty close together. Where And for yeah, them to well, say like multiple people have been calling. The first one that we read um, was from the 5th of August. And this one is from the 21st of August. So yeah, only a few weeks apart. And then the next one is September 5th. So again, only yep. a few weeks. Caller believes dog is being abused. Yeah. So the notes for that say um, she hears people inside yelling at the dog and then the dog yelping and more yelling. It says it's an ongoing problem and that the dog then gets put outside. Poor dog. Mm. Next, again, like another week later, 9-12, Adam became irate when his uncle tried to enter the residence to obtain his belongings. So um, in regards to Adam's uncle coming to get his belongings, there is a police report um, that says that basically... Adam and his family had taken over the house since Helen, who I'm assuming is Adam's aunt, had gone to Florida. Um, his Kevin, who's his uncle, said they originally inhabited the upstairs but took over the rest of the home. Kevin said he and Helen only wanted to get some personal items before Adam and his family are evicted. So the police officer went in with Helen. He said he observed clutter in every room consisting of clothing and empty food containers. Adam told him the power had been turned off several months ago due to non-payment. He had a portable generator in the driveway which powered the refrigerator. I could see food in the cupboards and refrigerator and Adam said that the home did have running water. Um, It's interesting too that it says that he went upstairs with Adam's wife Kayla and three children. All three children appeared to be clean and fed. The clothing was appropriate for the current conditions. Although the area was highly disheveled, it did not appear unsafe. So I think one th- interesting thing about that is that there should have actually been four children. Yeah. they Adam and Kayla had three children together and then there was also Harmony. So there essentially should have been three children during this, ch- oh, sorry, four children during this check, but there was only three seen by the police officer. And 918, like literally another week after the last one. Welfare check, pry marks on vehicle, which look like it's been broken into. So the notes on this one say, this morning there's been no movement from the house. The car appears to have been broken into. There is pry marks all over the car. And then the last note says, we've dealt with this address quite a bit in the last couple of months. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a bit of an understatement. Literally every week. Yeah. Skip ahead to January 20th, 2020. His front door kicked in. Home should have been vacant. Law enforcement noted they were just airing it out. Very bad odor. Hmm. Suspicious. Yeah. I also just don't understand how they're like, through the winter, it's okay that this house has no power and is just running. That little generator is not powering the whole house for one. Like, I know that for sure. But like, isn't it cold? Do they have a fireplace? Like, I don't get how they could be like, it's okay that the kids are in this house with no power because there's a small generator. Yeah, and they've even said in the report that the generator seems to just power the refrigerator. So there's yeah. no word of heating or anything like that. In September, that was kind of like the last 2019 call. And then it goes to January 2020. Like, January, it's for sure cold. September, it's starting to get cold. Like, in New York. And New Hampshire's even, like, further north. So it seems kind of yeah, weird. Neglectful. Yeah, yeah. Seems not great. From there... Adam had been married. So this is where we end Kayla, who I mentioned before. Adam had been married at one point to a woman named Kayla. 
police questioned Kayla, and she said that she had last seen Harmony in late 2019. Adam told Kayla he was driving Harmony back to her mother, and Kayla never saw her again after that. Kayla and Adam split up and became estranged in November 2021. Kayla also confirmed that Harmony did have a black eye once, but Adam said it was because another child struck her with a toy. Adam's uncle, Kevin, also spoke to the media about the black eye incident. He said, I walked in the house and Harmony had a black eye, like you see in a boxing match with two men. He told investigators, according to the court documents, that he observed other forms of abusive discipline, including Harmony being forced to stand in the corner for hours and was told to scrub the toilet with her toothbrush. Um, I also read somewhere there was another incident where the uncle, I think it was the uncle that said it, that Adam was getting ready for work one day like in the bathroom or something and he told Harmony to you know five-year-old Harmony to keep an eye on um one of the newborn babies that was Kayla's and she the baby started crying so she must have gotten nervous and didn't want to get in trouble so she covered the baby's mouth to try to get the baby to stop crying and he came out and saw her covering the baby's mouth and proceeded to uh beat her up a bit which is really sad because it shows that she like knew she was going to get in trouble if the baby was crying Horrible. I know, it's so gross. Kevin Montgomery says, Family members made multiple reports to New Hampshire's Division of Children and Youth and Families. He said, I don't know how they missed it. He also spoke to the Daily Beast about why nobody in the family noticed that Harmony was missing. He said, the pandemic hit and I just assumed Harmony and that said the family was okay. I was worried, of course, but assumed everything was okay because I hadn't heard anything. And this is a clip of... Brian Enton from News Nation talking to DCYF. It's about how a lot of people have been trying to reach out to DCYF and they've been blowing them off, a lot of the reporters. So he went to the office himself and this is how that went down. Harmony's mom says she warned New Hampshire's Division of Children, Youth and Families about the abuse, but was ignored. They also haven't responded to our emails or calls since last week. So we showed up to their offices today. Hi, my name is Brian Hilton. Uh, I'm a reporter with News Nation. We've been trying to get in touch with, with the department, the director, uh, about is the. Is he filming? He is filming, yes. Okay, turn, turn around because I, I don't, this side of the, it's not public. And I will call somebody for you. We waited and a representative from the communications office arrived. All right, Jake Leon, communications Hey, director. how are you doing? I'm Brian. Uh, I'm from News Station. Yeah, you just called me like an hour ago. Yeah, that's we've cool. Been you didn't tell me you were on your way. Well, we've been emailing Colin since last week. Is there concern here about the fact that she was missing for for two years and no one? I, I, I really am not in, in, in able to get into that because it's due to confidentiality. The department later sent us a statement saying the department is continually reviewing its processes to ensure the best possible outcomes for children and families. The Division for Children, Youth and Families has conducted a preliminary internal review on this case and as is the case whenever a critical incident involving a child occurs, a comprehensive quality assurance review is completed. The statement went on to say their primary focus is locating harmony. Crystal's mom hopes that is everyone's focus right now. Come forward and tell us something because somebody knows something. It's a fact. So that brings us to January 4th, 2022, just a couple weeks ago, one week ago, week and a half, maybe. <laughs> so on January 4th, 2022, Adam Montgomery was arrested on a warrant charging him with felony second degree assault arising from 2019 conduct against Harmony, as well as one misdemeanor charge of interference with custody and two misdemeanor charges of endangering the welfare of a child pertaining to Harmony, according to the New Hampshire Attorney General's office. 
And of course, he pled not guilty to those charges. On January 5th, Adam's ex-wife Kayla was then also arrested on a warrant for one charge of welfare fraud. This info comes from NBC Boston. They said, Prosecutors allege that between December 2019 and June 2021, Kayla Montgomery obtained $1,500 in food stamp benefits by failing to remove Harmony Montgomery from Kayla's family account with the State Department of Health and Human Services and continuing to collect food stamp benefits for Harmony despite the fact that she was no longer living with Kayla and her husband, Harmony's father, Adam Montgomery. It's interesting that Kayla said how she hadn't seen, she like admitted it's being like, oh, I haven't seen Harmony since 2019, but it's still claiming her in 2021 for benefits. Yeah. Didn't plan out her lie very well. Mm. So on January 8th, Crystal Sorry, the mother, spoke to NBC Boston and she said, well, she spoke to Harmony through them. And she said, hi, baby, if you can see me and hear me, I want you to know that I never stopped looking for you and I won't stop fighting until I find you, okay? You stay strong and mommy's right here fighting for you. I love you. Crystal has been polygraphed in relation to Harmony's case. The results of that have not been made public as far as we know. And she also submitted her DNA for testing. Harmony has a little brother, Jameson, who had been adopted out. He was adopted by Blair and Jonathan Miller in 2019. Jonathan Miller told Fox News, Harmony was the only thing consistent in Jameson's life. Through unification with the mom back in foster care, Harmony is all Jameson had. We read reports online that said that the Millers, they did want to adopt Harmony as well as her brother, but for some reason she was returned to Adam's care when they reached out about it, about adopting Harmony as well. Like they were told like, oh, she's back with her dad. The seven-year-old girl was last seen in 2019. Her brother, Jameson, is five years old and lives with his two adoptive fathers. Jameson's dad say they adopted him when he was three years old in Massachusetts. And Jameson and Harmony spent time together in foster care. They haven't told their son about Harmony's disappearance, but they say the little boy remembers her and talks about her often. Jameson just talked about her and they told us about, he told her about his, her beautiful blonde hair and her her glasses and her blue eyes. And he, uh, we were at a baseball game with her other two boys and he didn't want to leave. And I, I didn't understand why. And he goes, I think that's harmony over there. And he wanted to go play with that little girl just to make sure it wasn't his sister. And Jameson's dad say they're in constant communication with local police and frequently send along any tips they receive to detectives. And I know that they've been in contact with Crystal and talking to her. And I've said to Crystal, you know, like, if we find out where, Harmony is like we're willing to adopt her to be with her brother. So it's even more sad kind of that like this nice. They had the opportunity to have a nice laugh and then. Yeah, yeah, that she somehow like got left behind. And also I forgot to mention that um, Blair, he one of the men who adopted Jameson is a news anchor that people know of. Like he's verified on Twitter, at least. It's just sad how differently her life could have gone, I guess. Yeah, he did tweet and he said, we've been asked this question repeatedly and understandably. When we adopted Jamison, Harmony had already been reunited with her family. Jamison had not, so we were able to adopt. Harmony's case was closed. It's devastating. January 9th, police returned to the home on Guilford Street where Harmony was last known to live that they'd been searching. In the past few days, it appears that authorities have been checking under concrete. Police were also seen leaving the house with evidence and paper bags. This led online speculation that the evidence may be blood-based or biological. Someone said online, 
dry evidence goes in plastic. Wet evidence that might be able to be tested chemically goes in paper bags. Paper allows for better oxygen circulation, whereas plastic bag doesn't and potentially affects the samples collected. So like I learned in forensics class, I just have to bring it up that yes, I, I do have some knowledge of things with forensics before anyone ever says like, you guys don't actually know what you're talking about, <laughs> which they do. But um, pretty much all like biological and DNA sensitive evidence like blood and saliva, semen, body fluids, like even if they're dried at that point, they go in paper bags because they can actually mold, which is gross. Yeah, that's that's my knowledge. <laughs> Crazy because for me, I know like obviously I have no idea, but it, it's almost counterintuitive. You'd think you'd like you'd put it in plastic so it doesn't kind of affect the paper. But I guess obviously, you know, they've got different special things to use and all that paper bags it seems like so cheap almost but that's like yeah. the proper way to do it <laughs> even with um when there's bodies and they want to try to preserve what's under the fingernails they put yeah. um they're supposed to put paper bags over their hands instead of like plastic bags and over their feet as well i've seen them do so they can kind of preserve whatever is on the bottom yeah hmm. so another interesting thing kayla's mother so his Adam's estranged wife's mother filed a restraining order against Adam in July 2021. So um, it just says, on July 2, 2021, at approximately 7.45 p.m., my boyfriend and roommate John Gallion witnessed Adam Montgomery walking into the parking area of our home. John followed Adam along the side of the house to the front to make sure it was him. John and Adam made eye contact, then Adam crossed to the other side of the street so then she goes into detail and she says, I looked out my living room window and watched Adam passing back and forth across the, sh across the street of my home. I called the police. While waiting for police, John went outside and spoke to a neighbor who'd also seen Adam tapping on the windows in the front of my house. The police came, basically nothing actually happened as such, except I guess for Adam being a jerk. Um, that was on July, what did I say, July 2? Yes, and then on July 5, John walked in front of the house and he found a steak knife that was on the ground where Adam had been tapping on the window two days prior. Kayla and her three children had been living in the house at the time to get away from Adam due to domestic violence. Um, and then she finishes it with safety for all involved is our main concern. So he was obviously there with a knife, it seems, being threatening and just being a general jerk to Kayla and her family. Yeah, considering um, he is abusive by all accounts allegedly and yeah. that he shot someone in the face i wouldn't really want to take the chance and not have a restraining order against him exactly on january 10th police returned to the guilford street house again like we said it seems like they've been going there a lot over the last week and like i said it's been really really cold and snowy up around here so that makes the fbi they were searching the backyard so obviously that would make things more difficult for them to dig up the ground so they did some things that were pretty interesting i love when you see like a different new investigative forensics type technique, technique. <laughs> <laughs> um so the fbi evidence response team used hot water piping to attempt to thaw the frozen ground in the backyard they were also spotted hauling away sheets of insulation Nothing was ultimately found that we've heard of anyways, and the search team seemed to have wrapped up their efforts at the house. But even before it snowed, they had, like, big tarps and stuff over the ground to try to preserve it, so just interesting. I can't believe they didn't find anything. I really felt like that was probably where it all happened. But, but also, like, 
why would they tell the media or anyone if they did find anything? Like, I obviously they didn't find like a body or something. But maybe they found they could have found something. Mm, maybe you know. I feel like they're not going to be like, well, we found some bloody clothes or something. I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm so used to the police just being like, mm, we don't have anything to say. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching. As a random side note, I was watching the there's this new A&E documentary about the BTK killer. And even though I'm like, "Eh, I've heard the story a billion times, it's actually really interesting and worth watching because it's like they kind of interview him modern day. And it's just kind of I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know about it. But anyways, they were showing old clips of it. And there was a news clip like after he killed so many women in Wichita and they're interviewing the police guy and they're like, so do we have any leads? Do we know anything? And the cop was literally just like, nope, we've got no leads. We don't know anything. And like, they were like, and it is a threat to the community. And I was like, whoa. I was like, they would never say that today. <laughs> just straight up being like, nope, we got nothing. But like now they're always just like, due to it being an active investigation, we cannot say. <laughs> yeah. We are not able to comment. <laughs> and no threat to the public. <laughs> So Harmony's mother, Crystal, spoke to the media again on January 10th and has said that she believes Adam sold Harmony. Again, kids being sold for drugs. I don't know why this is such a predominant theory. If anyone listening knows of a circumstance where a kid was sold for drugs, send it to proven me. I really to be, Proven to be sold for drugs. <laughs> yeah, like proven as fact, not yeah, speculated. Yeah. I, would, I would love to know because I don't know if I'm just dumb and thinking like this is a dumb theory or what. Would love to know. Yeah. Please send them on Instagram or email them to us. <laughs> so Crystal said in the interview, I'm not going to lie. I'm hostile at this point. I have a lot of hostility to a lot of people that failed my daughter, and I'm included. I'm always going to own the fact that I played my part in this, but I never gave up on her. At least she has self-awareness. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to an extent. But at least she's not disincluding herself. No, no. Um, since her disappearance, investigators have determined that Harmony was never enrolled in school in Manchester. So, like we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, it seems like with the pandemic, kids not being physically in school, it was kind of easy to lose track of the kids who weren't in school for malicious reasons. On January 11th, Kayla Montgomery had her charges changed. So, according to WMUR... Kayla Montgomery is now facing eight more misdemeanor charges of welfare fraud connected to fraudulently receiving food stamp benefits for a child. Prosecutors have dropped the Class A felony charge of welfare fraud, but charged Montgomery with a new felony charge of theft under a different statute. An arraignment and bail hearing is scheduled for Thursday at Superior Court. So there is the arrest affidavit, which has been made public. There isn't a whole lot of new information in that. So I'll pop it all on the blog if you want to read it. So I think it's four or five pages long. So, you know, just talks about, you know, how the Crystal tried to get in contact and Kayla and Adam blocked her and all that type of stuff. So nothing, you know, groundbreaking in the arrest affidavit. So it seems like Kayla will next appear in court on February 25th and Adam will next appear in court on March 4th. Police actually held a press conference just a few hours ago before we recorded this. They announced that their reward for information in Harmony's case has reached $104,000 and that they've had over 300 tips come in. They said they are investigating every tip and taking them very seriously. At the time she disappeared, Harmony was described as four feet tall, weighing 50 pounds, with blonde hair, blue eyes, and glasses. And anyone with information can call 603-203-6060. And as of right now, that's all the factual information that's out there on the case. Obviously, like we said, there's still 
a lot of holes in the story, but hopefully since we've got, I didn't say in the beginning, but we got so many requests to kind of like break down this case, even like on Instagram or on a podcast episode, just because, you know, with all the people involved, it gets pretty confusing and everything was coming out out of order. So hopefully going forward, once you listen to this podcast, it'll be easier to jump in with whatever news comes out next. Yeah. So a few talking points about Harmony. One question that a lot of people have been asking generally is, One, why was Harmony taken away from her mother, who, yes, had substance abuse problems, which is understandable, but then she was returned to her father, who also had substance abuse problems and was a violent offender who shot someone in the face. One comment I found online that talked about that a little, it said, because she was taken from both of them, Crystal was not following the DCF plan, and surprisingly at that time, Adam was. He got clean and didn't miss a visit and did everything they were asking at that time. So they coaxed Crystal into giving up her rights so that Adam could have custody. It seems like that might have been a requirement for him to gain custody of her, but it looks like immediately after he did regain custody, he relapsed. In reply to that comment, another person said, I don't think it's necessarily surprising that he was able to get clean for a while in order to get custody. Abuse is all about control. It makes sense that he valued having control over Harmony, over his addiction. He likely relapsed again, but he was really just celebrating how he could do drugs again. So I don't think he ever really wanted to be sober. He just did it while he needed to and then started again. Yeah, exactly. And some people are saying how... Like did Ad- like doesn't even seem like Adam would want custody of a child. Like he- like he's not the type of person that wants a child to take care of. And it seems like he really did this. I feel like there's a lot of animosity between Crystal and Adam. And it seems yeah. like he did this just to get back at Crystal and just to like be a dick to Crystal. Someone messaged our Instagram today and they actually said that they worked in juvenile probation in Massachusetts and she wrote, the large majority of the cases that we see are care and protection cases, which is where the child is removed from the parent or custodian's care. If the father was granted custody back of Harmony, then the case is closed and it remains closed until a mandated reporter files a 51A against the father again. That means that DCF law enforcement and the court system would have zero involvement once custody was given back to him. If it was conditional custody, then DCF would still be involved. However, if the brother was in the process of being adopted, which is Jamison, and they were unable to allow Harmony to be adopted, that means he was 99.9% given full custody and the case was closed. Um, She said, if mum is the mother of both Harmony and the brother, which I think she is, mum most likely had her rights terminated since the boy was adopted and Harmony was given to the dad. Yeah, so... It goes along with how we were saying that they kind of like convinced Crystal to give up her rights. Yeah. And then, yeah, she also speaks about how Crystal's kind of said that no one would give her any information. And it says it's not that they failed to answer her. She most likely just had zero legal rights to know. Juvenile cases are confidential. And once your rights are terminated, you lose all rights to the parenting of that specific child. So I don't really know how what she's saying works in with, um, you know, the reports against Adam and, you know, there being no electricity and even the police reports said that they're still working with DCYF and they've been to the house many times. But I guess it kind of explains partly how there was no checks on Harmony and, you know, different things like that, which doesn't obviously excuse what's happened, but maybe it makes it a bit more explainable. Yeah, and and also could explain why Crystal wasn't, if she really was looking for Harmony, like she says she was, why she wasn't given any information or really taken as seriously because she signed away her rights to Harmony. Yeah. So another question that people 
we're asking and are still asking and we're all also wondering yeah. is why for all this time did Harmony's mother not try to look for her or put up a bigger stir about it? Why suddenly now is it the hill that she's dying on and acting like she's been searching for years? Yeah. Just a lot of people side-eyeing that. One comment that kind of just highlights how the whole thing's weird that I found online. Someone said, just looked at the mother's Facebook that you mentioned, both old one and new one. So she's got an old and a new profile. I feel like people we talk about always have multiple profiles. <laughs> they always forget the password. The password. <laughs> Not a single post mentioning the daughter until the other day, and now she's desperate. Few selfies and pictures of her youngest boy, though. There's one picture with a comment from 37 weeks ago that said something like, oh my god, how are you? Where are your other two kids? How are they? And she responded to DM her because she doesn't want to post her private life on Facebook. Um, the person said, if my daughter was missing, I'd be yelling from the rooftops every day, social media, phone calls, everything. I would show up to the police station every day and beg for help. Mom seems fishy. And along the lines of the mom seem, uh, seeming fishy, I did find a comment online. And no, obviously, this is just an online thing. So we don't actually know if there's any validity to it, but it's interesting. Someone posted, my girlfriend just reminded me that on June 2019, so remember that um, crystal stories that she last spoke to Harmony in April 2019 via FaceTime. Mm -hmm. So it says, June 2019, we gave crystal baby clothes for her pregnant friend and Harmony was in the car with her. My girlfriend commented on her glasses. Adam was in the car too, apparently. Now here's what weird. A few months or so later, crystal relapses and the little girl goes missing in September 2019. Something just doesn't add up here. And then someone clarifies and said, did you mean Kayla, who Adam probably should have been with at that time based on the uh -huh. timeline they've all given? And they said, no, definitely Crystal, the mother. Mm. So I don't know. I know mm. there's a lot of, especially because Crystal changed her story a few different times about the last time she'd spoken with Harmony and how Adam did say that um, Crystal was meant to have custody of Harmony. I don't know. It's just weird. They're all playing off each other and it's hard to know what the actual right timeline is. I feel like they all just have so much animosity against each other crystal now suddenly i feel like crystal didn't seem to care all this time because she was kind of playing the ignorance is bliss card like you know she's with adam she's fine not my problem because again i yeah. don't really think she wants to have kids to take care of or did in any ways while she was struggling more so with substance abuse so it was kind of like she wiped her hands clean of it and was like whatever harmony's fine she's with the dad and just didn't really yeah. think about it much but now that she knows harmony's missing got suspicious of it um, and not to be harsh, but is most likely deceased, I would say. She sees this as like an opportunity to, one, get back at Adam and throw him under the bus and make him look shitty. And two, kind of try to redeem herself and make herself look like the better person between the two of them. Maybe she does feel kind of guilty now, knowing that her ignoring this for so long has possibly led to Harmony's death or something terrible to happen to her. But I do feel like a lot of it is still just that animosity like and trying to yeah like get back at each other and she sees this as a way to like hurt adam yeah i agree yeah so i mean great great that now she's trying to find harmony but i like really don't give her much credit still i don't it's hard to say because there's so much in of the story missing still i don't feel like she really did anything because i mean she did take a polygraph test and submit her dna i i guess we don't know the results of that but, but that's now that's two years after like I know we've had so many comments along the lines of if this was my child after a few days I would have been you know screamed from the rooftops and like as a mother I also don't know how you could let it be two years without forcing someone to take action like 
I don't know. But then, it's, you know, again, we don't know like if what their person who messages on Instagram was true and said that they wouldn't have given Crystal any, any information no matter what because she wasn't entitled to it. Yeah, no, I just mean, I feel like I don't think she like actually murdered Harmony or like did something to no. her. But I just no, I agree. I agree that she passively didn't fucking do anything all this time. I feel and- like she's she's um, exaggerating her efforts to find Harmony up till now. For sure. I feel like that's, yeah. again, part of the trying to make herself look good while making Adam look more so like the bad guy. Not that he's not the bad guy, but, you know, yeah. like putting herself on this pedestal of like, I've been trying so hard. But really, she just ignored it for two years. Yeah, until it suited her maybe to. Yeah, until it. she realized, oh, shit, like this kid actually has been missing all the time. And you could even see it as just like a way to like get all this like sympathy and attention and kind of like, poor me. And maybe yeah. you get money out of it. Who knows? And because she is almost being interviewed, it seems, every single day she's on camera now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, even if her intentions are genuine now, it's hard to excuse the fact that it's been two years. Yeah. One other point just quickly that came from the press conference which happened today is I know a lot of people have been talking about who kind of failed Harmony. Like why why did she slip through the cracks as we've mentioned and you know who's who failed in their role of protecting her someone asked the manchester police chief today um about basically the work of the police and also the work of division of children and youth and families and he said i'm not going to point fingers at any other agency because i don't think it's going to do the investigation any good it's a bit of a deflection of a non-answer yeah so like i think it is clear that especially with all these police reports it's not like there was nothing that drew attention to the family. The police were there every few weeks at least for a certain amount of time. So I don't know. There definitely has been a failure. Yeah. I feel like there's tons of stories like this where um, child protective services or whatever government agencies, they're all the time. And then when something bad happens to one of the kids, they're like shocked Pikachu face. Like, <gasps> who would have known? It's like you were there three times, four times in a month. <laughs> like, And especially with with families who had issues, like they, these, you know, this family did have issues. Harmony and her brother were in and out of foster care. One, you know, the brother was adopted out. Like that's, there are blatant things going on. And then for them to still kind of miss all these other red flags as well. Yeah. A sad story that happens yeah. too often. And speaking of happening too often, that brings us to our next case of another missing kid who hasn't been missing as long as Harmony, but still hasn't been seen by her extended family for over a year. So again, ridiculous. Yeah. So the next case we're going to discuss is Oakley Carlson. She's a five-year-old girl who is missing from Oakville in Washington. As a bit of a background into Oakley's case, which is quite similar from the start to Harmony's, she was removed from the care of her biological parents when she was a baby. Some reports I've seen say that she was around seven months old and she was put in foster care firstly in August 2017. Her foster parents are a couple called Eric and Jamie Jo Hiles. They've spoken to the media many times now about this case. And her foster mother told King Five that there were multiple red flags while the five-year-old was in their care. Um, Oakley stayed with them, I think, for over two years until October 2019. That was when the state contacted them and informed them that Oakley would be placed back in the care of her biological parents. And the foster mother of those two, Jamie Hohiles, is joining us now live this morning on King Five Mornings. This just must be um, heartbreaking, really. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. We we are so glad you're with us this morning. We want to clear up a few things about this case, which is now really just coming to light in a lot of ways. Can you tell us about the circumstances of this foster care situation? 
You know, um, so Oakley came to us in August of 2017, and we had her until November of 2019. Um, throughout that time that we had her, there were multiple red flags. So um, there were times that I would contact um, CPS and say, hey, I'm concerned about this. Um, and they would kind of say, well, like, we'll investigate it. We'll look into it. Um, and even after she did go back, um, there were times that I would hear something in the community and I would reach out and say, I'm concerned about this. And I don't know if I never had any follow-up, which I'm not necessarily expecting there to be follow-up, but I'm just disappointed that um, the times that I did follow up, that there still was no kind of like resolution to this. And this probably could have been avoided. Hmm. What can you tell us about why Oakley was put back into the custody of those two? What did the state tell you about why they may have uh, been given a second chance or whether they deserved it? Um, you know, I, I don't know 100% as to what the state standards necessarily are. I just know in our case, once those parents started to get their acts together and be clean and um, show that they could, I guess, be fit parents, that that just checked all of a sudden those boxes, even if it was a very fast, fast decision to return Oakley and her siblings. Did you feel that it was uh, appropriate to give Oakley back? No, and even if, um, so we were told in October of 2019 that she would be returning. Um, she, at that point, hadn't had a full overnight visit yet. And by November of 2019, she was placed back permanently. That's incredibly fast on a child, and that's very traumatic to go from full-time with my husband and I to full-time with Jordan and Andrew. And so I understood, yes, she might transition back, but could we just do it slower? Could we not, hmm. can we not do it where we scare her, where she's like traumatized from this? But that didn't even seem to be an option either. So Oakley was returned to the care of her biological parents who are Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers in November, 2019. The foster mother, Jamie, has said that the decision to send Oakley back was quote, rushed and unsafe. She said they made a mistake, a big mistake. I told them in my last letter it was going to be on their shoulders if something happens to her. So as a bit of a kind of background into this family, Andrew Carlson used to be a police officer with the Aberdeen Police Force. I've read some comments online, again, probably just rumours or, you know, might be true, saying that he left his first wife and children to be with Jordan, who he allegedly met while she was in jail. So um, this guy has kind of gone off the rails a little bit. Hmm. One of the last confirmed sightings of Oakley was in December 2020, which was Christmas time. This information is from King 5. It said, Oakley goes to her grandparents' home for Christmas with her family. During the investigation, Oakley's grandmother told police Oakley didn't look well. According to court documents, Oakley's grandmother told police Oakley had dark circles under her eyes, pale skin, and that she had scratches or sores on her face. Oakley's grandmother called Child Protective Services after seeing Oakley, but never heard anything about it after that time. Court documents say Oakley's grandmother contacting CPS regarding Oakley made great waves within the family, and Oakley's parents have not seen or spoken to the grandparents since then. So the last reported sighting of Oakley was on February 10, 2021. Um, I can't really find much information about who actually made this sighting, but I've seen it online as, quote, someone who knows the family. So seems kind of vague. But before this sighting, Oakley was last known to be alive on January 27, 2021. So it's, it's a similar time frame, no matter what. That was the last time that she was ever seen. Yeah, so it's about the same time-ish. Yeah. 
On November 6, 2021, so months and months later, Oakley's biological father, Andrew, called dispatch just before 5 p.m. to report a fire in their home earlier that day. He told dispatchers his daughter used a cigarette lighter and caught the couch on fire and that he put the fire out himself. He said a response wasn't needed, but he wanted to report the fire. Jordan, who's the biological mother, also told others that Oakley started the fire and that she and her husband fought about the fire for four hours. Fire investigators later confirmed there was a fire at the home, but they believe it started from a microwave on the kitchen counter. So there was a GoFundMe for the family um, at the time. They did have photos of the fire. There's like a photo. It looks like it was horrific. Like the house is. It was a bad fire. It's not just like the couch caught on fire and he got a hose and put it out. Like the ceiling fan is melted. There's smoke damage all up the walls. Like the entire Um, room is destroyed. Like the air conditioner is melted. And there's like, it looks like a couch or something. And it's, it's like, it's unlivable. You can't just go and take the burnt things out. You'd have to, I don't know, it yeah, unlivable. And then this is the, um, what the go, the GoFundMe is down now, but we found the archive of it. It says Jordan and Andrew's house caught on fire and destroyed the upstairs portion of their home. And this bit's interesting. After evacuating their three children and puppy who were home, Jordan and Andrew fought the fire themselves for hours, which is strange, but. And, like, none of the neighbours noticed that they were fighting this fire for hours. (laughs) The house was completely dark with smoke and neither of them could locate their cell phones to call for help and there were no close neighbours. So they grabbed hoses and attempted to save their beautiful home. No one was injured, but they lost the majority of their belongings in this fire. Any funds will go to cover restoration of the upstairs. Now, this is interesting. So before in the GoFundMe, it said they evacuated their three children. It goes on to say that they have four children a boy aged 10, a girl aged 6, a girl aged 4, and a boy 2 in a couple of days and one chihuahua puppy. So at least all the things they need, like microwave and, you know, all new things. And there's photos of the family. There is a photo of Oakley and Jordan. It looks like they're at a library, so they've put a few photos in, I guess, to kind of pull on the heartstrings of people who they want to donate. But the discrepancy between the three and four children is interesting and will come into play again too. Yeah, very weird. mm. The Oakville Elementary School principal, Jessica Swift, went to Oakley's home on November 10. So I think that the um, supplies and donations for the fire were being collected by the school. She went to take the family some of the donations after the fire. She said that she stayed in the house for around 45 minutes and was told that Oakley was in her room, but she didn't see her. Jessica went back to the house again with more supplies on November 24, so about two weeks later. She saw Oakley's three siblings, but again, not Oakley. She stayed for five minutes during this time. On December 4, one of Oakley's siblings went to Jessica's house for a play date or sleepover. Jessica asked the child about Oakley, and the child responded that, quote, Oakley was no more. When Jessica asked again, the sibling said Oakley went to live with her foster parents that she'd lived with before, and deputies have since confirmed that this wasn't the case. So I guess all this kind of worried Jessica. And on December 6, 2021, the Grays Harbour Sheriff's Office received a call for a wellness check on Oakley from her. The family had been living at a hotel following the fire. The police went to the hotel and they found the rest of the family except for Oakley. Andrew told police that Oakley was with his parents, but that he didn't know his father's phone number and could not remember the address of the father's home. When police spoke to Andrew's father, he said he had not seen Oakley since December 2020, which was when they had the falling out over Christmas and the grandmother called CPS. So he really didn't think about this story very well. No. (laughs) When, When police told Andrew that Oakley was not with his parents, they said Andrew did not seem surprised. 
Um, they attempted to also question Jordan and she became uncooperative. She went back into the hotel room and refused to answer any more questions. This is random. After police left the hotel, Andrew called them to report Oakley missing. He didn't know, though, that police were headed straight to the burned-out house after leaving the hotel and they obtained a search warrant in the meantime. I'd love to know what like his thinking was there. Like, well, I'll report her missing now. Mm. I better do it now they're looking into it. The whole thing's weird. During a search of the family's home, toys and clothing were located for all of the children except for Oakley. Blood was found on the blinds and the front door, and there was a handprint on the wall in the downstairs hallway. I'm assuming that's a bloody handprint. The FBI became involved with the search from almost day one after that. The Grays Harbor Sheriff's Office detectives, Washington State Patrol Troopers, and the FBI searched the family's property, which covered around 300 acres. So I guess the 300 acres may explain why no one noticed this fire. But, Fair enough, I, I guess. Yeah. It's I just like by the judging by the photo, I can't believe that they managed to put the fire out with hoses. It's crazy. Just gardening yeah, hoses. So the rest of the story is still absurd. Like you couldn't find your cell phone or like call for help somehow. I mean, I don't know. I'm just considering all the other circumstances, it's still very suspicious. So Jordan and Andrew were taken into custody and held on manslaughter charges in relation to Oakley. But on Thursday, December 10, the prosecutors formally charged the two with abandonment of a dependent person in the second degree after new information came to light about them withholding potentially life-saving, potentially life-saving medication to their other six-year-old daughter. Jordan has a lengthy criminal history. I've had a look on the court search website. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of groundbreaking things on there, but it's things like unlawful harassment, domestic violence. Um, so she was known to police. There's a mugshot of both of them, um, and they both their faces are covered in sores. Um, I'm assuming this is probably drug-related. Not even just being, like, judgy. They 100% look like they are drug abusers. Yeah, like her skin is yellow and clammy and she's covered in sores and he wears glasses, but he's got sores all over his face as well. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to come at me and say, how dare you judge? There's there's no way that there's drugs not involved here. Yeah, they, they just have pick marks like all over. Yeah. So police questioned Oakley's siblings and they found out some really horrifying things. They said that they witnessed Jordan beating Oakley with a belt putting her in a closet, possibly under a stairwell, and that they'd been concerned about Oakley starving. They had also said that Jordan told the six-year-old sibling not to talk about Oakley and said that she had, quote, gone out into the woods and was eaten by wolves. Random. So um, after they kind of detained the parents, investigators released the following statement about Oakley. They said the parents claimed the last time they saw Oakley alive was November 30. The parents have given no indication that Oakley is in the care of an adult and cannot account for her whereabouts or condition. Investigators believe Oakley would be unable to survive on her own for this length of time. On December 15, Oakley's grandparents, who police say have been totally cooperative, released the following statement. The Carlson family have been and continue to be fully cooperating with this investigation. Our only objective is to find our granddaughter, Oakley. We're praying that Oakley will be found soon and also for the multitude of good people working around the clock to make that happen. We ask the media respect our privacy during this very difficult time and we do not wish to make any further statement for now. Thank you. So on December 30, so about two weeks ago, Jordan and Andrew appeared in court for allegedly not providing the medication to Oakley's sibling for 15 months which is necessary for her health, the child's health, I'm assuming it's a girl. Grays Harbour County Superior Court Judge Catherine Svoboda found probable cause 
for um, abandonment, one count of abandonment of a dependent person in the second degree against them both. Bail was set for them at 150,000. Demonstrators gathered outside Grays Harbor County Superior Court today calling for justice in the disappearance of five-year-old Oakley Carlson. There shouldn't be, where's Oakley? It shouldn't be a thing. She, she shouldn't have been. Police say Oakley was last seen alive on February 10th. Inside the courtroom, her parents, Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson, appeared virtually before a judge. They're accused of withholding medication from their other six-year-old child for 15 months. They're also under investigation for Oakley's disappearance. The parents clearly know what happened to the five-year-old child and they're not saying anything. A judge found probable cause for one count of abandonment of a dependent person in the second degree against both suspects and they remain behind bars on $150,000 bail. Prosecutors say they're happy with that number considering new developments in Oakley's investigation. Ten minutes after the police initially contacted them in Tumwater, one of these defendants performed a factory reset on one of their cell phones. While the case plays out in court, those who care about Oakley say they're thankful for the hard work of investigators. So on that day, around 100 members of the public showed up. They chanted Oakley's name and things like, kids don't just disappear, make them talk, and we love Oakley. So there's a big community kind of involvement and interest in this case in the area. The charges that they ended up facing were second-degree abandonment of a dependent person, which is a Class C felony, punishable by up to five years in prison and up to $10,000 in fines. The manslaughter charges that they were originally held on were closed and they will no longer face court for those. Um, I don't know if they can, I guess they were never charged with manslaughter, so maybe eventually if they have enough evidence, they can can actually be charged um, with that. Yeah. So on December 10, a trial date for Andrew and Jordan was set for April 19. They both pled not guilty. The cases have been joined, so they'll be trialed together. It's expected to take around four days. Judge Dave Edwards was asked if four days would be enough time to complete the trial, and he said, at this point, it is my best guess. He also said, I have concerns that the trial can be completed in that period, but we can make adjustments as we get close to that trial date. Um, They're going to go over evidence that is needed for the trial at 9am on January 31. So on this December 10 hearing, Jordan apparently pled not guilty as she said she couldn't afford the medication for her daughter. Her attorney said... That is a situation that occurred because for her health insurance carrier refused to pay for the medication. They said it was experimental or something. She spent a lot of time trying to get that insurance decision overturned. This is why it's a situation that's been discussed in dependency court for months and why it wouldn't justify suddenly putting her in jail. But a man online has said that he is the father of one of Jordan's children and his comment was, that is not the reason Jordan gave me. I'll be conducting contacting detectives again tomorrow and make sure they know what I was told. He said that Jordan bought an $800 PS5 on eBay and that, you know, she could obviously afford the medication for the children. Yeah. Um, Didn't want to. Yeah, Yeah, basically. She seems like it was probably a control thing again. As someone who has worked at primary care doctor's offices and stuff, sure, sometimes medication is denied because it's experimental, but there's always alternatives 
and just to be clear, like I think our healthcare system sucks and is shitty and health insurance is shitty. So I'm not even like defending that. But there is always like generic options, different options. If the doctor really thought it was necessary, he could call and talk to the insurance company and like convince them of why it's necessary and try to get them to cover it or to cover some sort of alternative. So it's not like she just had no options either. Especially because the medication was said to be life-saving. Like there, there must have been yeah, other options. There would be something. Even if it was, even if she wanted to try the experimental one, I'm sure there was other options. And there's literally times where the insurance companies and the doctors do like a peer-to-peer is what it's called, where the doctor who wants to prescribe the medication talks to like a doctor type person from the insurance company and they discuss why it would be, ne- like if it's life-saving, why it would be necessary for the kid to have this medication yeah so bullshit (laughs) so i think that is up to date in terms of the actual factual case for oakley for now um obviously there'll be developments as they go to court but oakley is still missing as of mid-january 2022 yeah another horrible one is there no they've never been arrested for like drugs or anything i'm shocked no well not that i've ever seen like I, i looked up Jordan's criminal history and I don't think I'll just double check I tried to find he doesn't even really seem to have a criminal history I guess as a former what about her because she was in jail and that's how they met allegedly but I think she was in jail for things like um that harassment domestic violence so I've I've never when I searched I could have missed it but I've searched through all her court records and I haven't found anything for either of them on drug charges just crazy because like if there are let us know yeah yeah, or if you've seen any people who are like, I know them, I know they do drugs, because I feel bad being like, they definitely do drugs, when obviously I don't know, and they've never been arrested for it, but if you see the pictures, and a lot of people online have said the same, I don't know where it started, but the photos, they don't lie, really. Yeah. Um, especially since both of them, it's not like just one of them looks sick. Apparently, according to Como News, she does have convictions for drugs and theft, but he was decommissioned as a police officer in 2017 for making false and misleading statements. So, so I wonder if she, if they met and then like she also got him into drugs. And Yeah. Um, I, know, I know that the foster parents did tell police that they suspected Jordan and Andrew were using drugs. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's not. Well post it like to the blog and stuff and we've i've posted her post to the instagram and stuff before the the foster mom is like very vocal and adamant about trying to find oakley because she basically raised her and like loved her and she posts videos of her all the time of like the happy life that oakley had before she was brought to her shitty foster i mean to her shitty real parents and it's sad that she wrote a letter saying she did not think that oakley should go back to her parents and she was right. And even like I've got her Twitter up now. It's all public. It says, I just wanted to share this cute and happy face with you to all keep Oak- hashtag Oakley Carlson on your minds. This was Father's Day 2018 and it was actually warm enough to play in the sprinkler. So it's of Oakley with like a swimming vest on and, you know, she's wet and smiling. It's a very, very cute photo. All of her things are generally about Oakley at the moment. Yeah, like she, she had her when she was like a baby. So a month ago, this is on January 8th, a month ago I threw up in Target when a friend called to let me know that Oakley's parents were being charged with manslaughter. That night before her little brother, the night, sorry, that night, the night before her little brother was dropped off to us and we were told Oakley would be dropped off to once they found her. Hmm. Again, Hmm. it's similar to like how um, the news anchor wanted to also adapt Harmony and she just kind of like slipped through the cracks and now it's like the foster parents wanted oakley back like they had these situations where they could have been protected but yeah weren't i know i found i was reading some things online about 
theories and stuff just to talk about with Oakley. Um, it seems like a big theory. Uh, obviously, this is what I was saying before. The fire seems super suspicious. Like how they, I feel like if my house caught on fire and I put it out myself somehow miraculous, miraculously, I would still want like fire or police or someone to like just come and look at it, and make sure everything's safe to an extent. Yeah, I agree. I think it's weird that they were like, we don't want anyone to come and were adamant about like putting it out themselves and i feel like the only reason they reported it at all was so that they could make like a gofundme yeah. about and it's it and not get caught for not reporting it it's weird that they actually made the story that oakley started it on the couch with a lighter or whatever but then police have actually said no it was started in the microwave so you have to wonder what is the point of including oakley in this story if if they were trying to set up some kind of half-assed alibi about she was yeah, definitely so, alive on november 30 but yeah. so in my there's like two different like theories surrounding that. Either like Oakley was already missing at this point and the fire coincidentally happened. They're like, hey, this is our our chance. We could like say like something, maybe something happened or that Oakley was here for the fire and now we don't know where she is or something. Or they could use um what was I gonna say? That the well, they haven't said it, so I guess not. Cause they, I was gonna say they could have said Oakley was like in like is that their argument is that Oakley was like, no, lost that's in what the I was, fire? that's my point. Like it feels like they kind of started this story and maybe we're going to go down through. that yeah go down that way of saying Oakley must have been injured and died in the fire and now we can't find her but they didn't all they said was Oakley started they've never ever said that Oakley was injured that I know of anyway that she was injured or that she died in the fire it's just that she started the fire so it seems like it was kind of just a half-assed alibi that she was definitely still alive then which she probably wasn't but I just don't know why they even brought her into that story because they never followed through with anything else about it like you said, that they're either using it as just like an alibi, like the fire just happened. They're like, well, Oakley started it or that Oakley did get hurt like during the fire if she was still around and they're trying to like cover it up somehow. Yeah. I, well, I also wonder too, if they didn't try and maybe set the fire deliberately to cover up something else they did to Oakley, like to maybe cover up whatever evidence there was, like there was obviously blood found in the house. So yeah. maybe their their dumb idea was to set a fire to kind of burn whatever evidence was there so they'd never know. But they still didn't really seem to have a plan about their story for what happened to Oakley, besides him saying that she was at the grandfather's house, which was it's also, very clearly, quickly untrue. It's also weird that they just, like, never really came up with a lie. Like, they were just like, I don't know. We don't know where she yeah. is. Well, she's at a grandfather's. No, she's not. Oh, well, I don't know that. Yeah, like, they yeah. didn't even try. One comment I found online about the fire... Because someone was asking, like, why the fire was suspicious, kind of, or what people think that means. Someone said, if I understand the situation correctly, the assumption is that the fire at their house a while back may have been set intentionally to cover up an accident with Oakley, or it was a drug manufacturing chemical fire and that she was mortally injured. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> the foster mother was calling child services, the police, family, the news, basically anyone and everyone that would listen, but no one helped her, no one did anything. I think based especially on the GoFundMe that says they evacuated the three children and the dog when they had four children, I suspect that Oakley was dead before that or, you know, whatever they've done with her, she was gone before that. Um, yeah, because that was, again, months later from when she was actually last seen. But I feel yeah. like they were like, they clearly wanted to post this GoFundMe but didn't want people to come to the house because... <laughs> Maybe it was like a drug chemical fire, but two, because also Oakley is missing. But yeah. people don't know that Oakley's missing. So in their minds, in the first part of the GoFundMe story, they're like telling the truth of what actually happened. Of like, oh, we got the three kids and the dog out. But then they're like, 
when they're asking for money further of why they need money further down in the GoFundMe, they're like, oh, mention all of our kids. Like, we have four kids. That's why we need all this money. You could just tell from, like, their way of thinking kind of how the story changed. I feel like they kind of told different people different stories too. Like, when the sibling told the teacher that Oakley had gone back to her foster family. So there, I feel like that's maybe what they told the siblings but they never seemed to mention that to the police because I guess they knew the police could pretty quickly dispel that. But then the, I don't know, even know why they bothered with the grandfather's story because, again, the police quickly knew that wasn't true. So I'd also love to know like where Oakley was eaten by wolves came from. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was just like to scare the kids. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you do, you're going to end up like Oakley. You'll be eaten by wolves out in the woods. Yeah, it had to be something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe... People probably come at me for saying this, but I can't believe that these people managed to hide these children. Like, where are they? Like, they, you know, there seems to be a lot going on, and yet they still manage to hide these children so that they aren't easily found. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Even with Summer, like, where the fuck is she? Yeah, 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 exactly. All of them. It's just crazy. Yeah, I guess that's that's five missing children that we've discussed in the last few months, and all of them are still missing. Mm-hmm. So that is it up to date as of mid-January for Oakley's case. Um, We will give you updates as they appear in court and make sure you check out the blog because we'll update that regularly when things happen or if things happen in her case. We were trying to think if there's really any updates or any new cases to talk about, but this episode's kind of been long enough without them because we're never sure how long it's really going to be, like how much are we going to chat, how much are we going to go off script, but we seem to have gone on for pretty long, and honestly, none of the cases that we've talked about have really had updates that I can think of. Any you can think of? No. No, nothing that we haven't already mentioned, just little tiny little updates that we've always put on our Instagram and Facebook, so make, you can check those out anyway if you want to. But yeah, nothing huge to mention, I don't think, this week yet. Yeah. So we will end it there. As always, we'll post all of the pictures and the posts and everything on the blog. If you want to see any of that stuff, pictures of the fire, pictures of what the kids look like, just in case you see them out there somehow, follow us on Instagram. We always post all the small updates for all the cases that we're following. We've been following Harmony a lot. So whenever anything happens with that, we've been posting updates. Oakley, obviously we will too. It just seems her case has gone a little bit quieter. But hopefully we'll hear some updates. And I'll say now, if there's any updates with either of these cases, I'll put a clip here by the time we release this. Thank you, too, to the people on Instagram who have sent us so much information about these cases. There's a lady called Erin who has been sending us tons and tons of Harmony information. So really thank you to her and to everyone else who sent us a message with little bits of insight and knowledge or their thoughts. We really appreciate it and, and you know, are grateful that we have these different points of view and different kind of sources coming in. Yeah, if you ever have um, insider knowledge or just like you're from the area and you hear things or you know things about a certain topic, definitely message them to us. Like, we'd love to know because obviously we don't know everything and some of the stuff we'll read on the podcast. Obviously, you can be anonymous. We're not going to be like Jennifer Smith, who works at DCYF, says like we obviously will keep you anonymous, but even if there's just like local stories to you that aren't getting a lot of attention just send everything to us because one of the hardest parts about constantly posting on instagram is always finding different things to post especially olivia and i we both work we both do other things besides this so it's always a big help when you guys send us stuff so i know sometimes it's easy to feel like oh, i don't want to annoy them they probably get tons of messages we do get tons of messages but we do go through them so definitely send us whatever you feel like sending us we'd be happy especially- to especially 
regional knowledge. Like I, when that lady messaged today with the information about the harmony, you know, why it may have happened with DCYF and all that thing, like that is really interesting and useful to us because we obviously don't know the ins and out of every regional area and their, you know, practices and legal you know, yeah, procedures definitely. and things like that. So yeah, definitely keep sending them through. We try to post kind of in advance, like, oh, next week we're going to do this, or we're going to like do this episode, record this episode tonight, like any thoughts, questions. So if you feel you have particular knowledge about something, definitely uh, let us know that knowledge and we'll share it with the world. Absolutely. So, follow us on Instagram for all that as well. Um, if you want to chime in, we're always looking for stuff like that. Our forum, good place to post anonymously chat with other people and if you are too shy for that it's a good place to read things i know there's lots of info on both these cases as well on there and if you haven't left us a review on apple please leave us a nice five-star review if you like us if you don't like us then why are you still here (laughs) um and also on spotify you can now leave us ratings so please give us a five-star rating if you haven't already all great we love when people leave us nice reviews obviously it's very encouraging and we like to share them and if you're still listening, which many of you proved me wrong that you listened to the end, it made me feel like a jerk because with all the podcasts mm-hmm. I listen to, as soon as they do this stuff, I'm like, click off. <laughs> um, if you don't mind sharing to your Instagram story that you're listening to the podcast, we love that and we will reshare it. It's a good way to get the word out and support us in a very easy, free way. Definitely. I think that's everything. Like I said, you guys know all this. I say it every episode. so. <laughs> So you know what to do. All right. Well, we will be back next week with episode number four of 2022, whatever that may be. And we'll talk to you guys then. Bye. See ya.